Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. And here goes Wilson. He's to the 10. To the five. Stretching it for the goal line. Give him six. Jake Oldroyd will split the uprights. And it's an early BYU lead. Seven to nothing. Zach Wilson marches him down the field. 87 yards in five plays. Wilson will throw. That arm strength lays it right in there. Powell with the touchdown catch. 35 yards. And what a throw from Zach Wilson. He puts it in a position where the defensive back is not even looking. And Powell with that big size of 6'4", 215. Use those big mitts to pull it in. And it's been fun already watching Zach Wilson and this officer crew put up points tonight. First and goal now. Coming near side with an easy touchdown. Gunnar Romney from six yards out. And BYU just putting points on the board like this is an empty field now. 48 to 10. All right, BYU comes away with a victory, Gordon, at the Boca Raton Bowl. And uh, what a performance it was, 49-23, to and it wasn't even that close, as you know. Uh, what is likely Zach Wilson's final, uh, final game was an unbelievable performance. Uh, 26 of 34, three touchdowns, Gordon, uh, 425 yards through the air. He added uh, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Tyler Algiers goes over 1,000 yards. He had 173 yards on the day on 19 carries, and they just waxed the UCF Knights, waxed them. Yeah, you mentioned the score, not really telling the whole story. BYU could have scored 60-some points in that game if they'd really wanted to. They started goofing around a little bit in the second half, and, uh, and, (laughs) you know, uh, they, they at the end they showed a little class, not scoring when they could have easily. Uh, I, look, that that was an impressive showing by the Cougars offensively. Man, that first drive, right from the beginning, Jake, the first drive was almost like a video game. You know, huge chunks of yardage, just right down the field, score. Easy as can be. And I know that UCF, and we talked about this, does not have a great defense. But that's a team that lost to Cincinnati by three points. And BYU just absolutely mopped the field with them. Now, you know, there might be some some kind of circumstances involved in that. But uh, that was a decent team BYU just crushed. And uh, they deserve credit for that, I think. And... Uh, that hasn't always been the case all year long. Some of the games have just been easy because the opponent has not been that good. But UCF's a decent team, and BYU just made them look bad. Well, you said uh, offensively, and I certainly agree. But give the defense some credit, too. Yeah, thought they yeah. played really well. Uh, that was the, the fewest points that UCF has been held to in like multiple, like three years or something crazy. I heard... Uh, when I was uh, driving home from the studio yesterday, I heard Rubel dropping a stat about that. So, uh, you know, give the defense credit to um, 411 total yards for a UCF team that was number two in the country in, in total yard average. So, you know, give that defense some credit, too, because that's you know, the offense was great and they weren't stopped uh, you know, hardly at all. Uh, but the D made that a blowout because they, they shut down a pretty good offense. And you're right, uh, UCF averages uh, 585.6 yards a game. Right. So uh, BYU helped them well. 
beneath that. But I I knew the game was going to be offensive, but I, I couldn't believe how easy it was for BYU to score. I mean, they made it look easy. And that offensive line gave Zach Wilson the time he needed. And when you give that quarterback that kind of comfort, he is going to tear you apart because those receivers are going to get open. Well, and and they did. They give him a lot of credit. He was slinging it. I mean, he he, he is really really good. And he's he, better than I thought he was going to be. He he is he's a fine talent. There's making, no doubt about that. Making throws that he shouldn't be making, and and making them on the run. And obviously the arm strength there. Uh, shout out to Tyler Algiers for the the oh. layout catch of the decade. Well, I that still was don't know that how. was uh, that was Katoa. Oh, it was Katoa, not Algiers. Yeah. Excuse uh-huh. me, I knew it was the running back. I apologize. Yeah, Katoa with the uh, with the layout catch of the year. I still don't know how he grabbed that. Seemed it was like the tip of the tip of the finger, and somehow that uh, he came down with that. That was amazing. Well, if I landed he, on my belly like that, I'm vomiting. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely airborne, as you guys were talking about, and for him to not just get to that ball. But to hold on to it and gather it in so that it didn't really hit the ground, it looked to me like he got his arms under it to protect it. And you're right, spectacular, spectacular catch by a running back. And that BYU team was obviously very motivated to to prove a point and, and put an exclamation point, Mark, whatever it is, on this season and, and prove it against a good team. Like you said, I mean, UCF, had, their resume spoke for itself. That was a good football team. and. And BYU beat it up pretty good. And they were really motivated to do so. And I get it. I get it. Wanted to show one last time that this is, this is one of those special BYU teams, even in this hard time. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was convinced of it. Uh, we'll all wonder how they would have done against a, a whole uh, slew of P5 talent teams. Uh, but we'll, we'll never know. And so this team goes down in BYU lore as being an exceptional one. And uh, we'll never know about that other stuff, but you can see the talent. Tyler Algier is a great example. This kid came into BYU, and he we give credit, Jake, uh, especially when we talk about basketball and we talk about the the the, uh, the Jazz and the players who have gotten better through the years. We give them great credit. Algier, he was. <laughs> He was marginal at best when he showed up at BYU. Well, he's a walk-on, right? A walk-on linebacker? And he just, well, he, they moved him around. But he he, uh, he he's impressive, man. He runs uh, with power and with a good burst. Uh, does not get knocked down easily. 173 yards, man. And that offensive line was creating space for him. But then after he got hit, he would bounce off and keep moving forward. And that's always a sign of a great running back. Yeah, he and Dax Milne were both walk-ons at one point, which is which is pretty incredible when you think yeah. about it. Now he's running for over 1,000 yards. What do you have, 13 touchdowns, 14? Uh, I, I should double-check, but uh, absolutely amazing. From a, a guy that kind of surfaced in last year when they had all those running back troubles where everybody kept getting hurt, and they didn't yeah. – they said, hmm, I guess we'll we'll try this guy that uh, tried to play linebacker for us. Let's give him a go. And all of a sudden he's rattling off a 1,000-yard season, only the 16th time in BYU history that's happened. Pretty amazing. Yep, and that and I'll go back. UCF is a good team. Boise State was a good team, and BYU just absolutely crushed those teams this year. 
I mean, <laughs> Navy wasn't particularly good. BYU crushed that team. And then they also beat a bunch of teams that they should have beaten. But you don't just walk in and do that to UCF, man. That's, and like you said, the defense, uh, uh, we thought it was going to be kind of a shootout. Remember yesterday, uh, I think the last thing we talked about with the, about this game was oh, we were predicting a score of like high 40s to 30-something. We weren't that far off, but BYU's defense was better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that quarterback, uh, that uh, Gabriel kid, he he's no slouch. That kid's no slouch. And BYU is able to, as you said, keep that team, what, a good 170 yards south of its norm, which uh, – and their drives were disrupted. And they got a lot of those yards after the game was decided, you know. I mean, so my, my favorite sub storyline of last night's game? Uh-huh. Now, it turns out that uh, Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes missed it because of uh, pandemic-related reasons, mm-hmm. and we hope if yeah. there's some uh, positive cases there that everything's going all right. But when uh, my, my favorite sub-storyline was everybody uh, who was covering her there or whatever, uh, I don't see the coaches on the field. What's going on? I mean, the Twitter sphere is just lighting up. I mean, I, I think uh, I saw multiple Twitter people being like, well, he's taking the Boise State job. He's got it. It's, he's gone. It's happening. And uh, no, it just turns out that uh, unfortunately the they had to take some precautions because of uh, the pandemic. But but Twitter was fun there for a couple of hours as everybody speculated. Well, it does. Go I heard to he's show going you, to be uh, Biden's Secretary of State. Yeah. <laughs> it does go to tell you that uh, BYU has some some talent in that in that offensive coaching room. Did you see Coach Mateos's tweet that he threw out there, uh, where he basically said he was so proud of his guys because they played so well without a coach? And they even had an injury and reacted to that positively without a coach being there. And I thought to myself, I don't know why this hasn't struck me before because it probably should have, but I thought to myself, yeah, what do they do with that? I'm sure another offensive coach gets the, like, hey, keep an eye on the lineman. But (laughs) when you position coaches in there, you probably kind of don't have a coach. Well, like he, he have, probably but, told Harvey Unga, like, "Hey, keep an eye on those guys, huh? You know, make sure they're, <laughs> make sure they're not. Uh, um, uh, what was the, what was the old Jerry Sloanism for goofing around? Jackpotting, jackpotting around. Make sure they're not jackpotting around too much out there. <laughs> there, uh, there was an in-game picture of the offensive line huddled around a coach. I'd never seen the person before in my lifetime. Uh, well, those all, some was. petrified grad assistant. Who's <laughs> like, oh, listen, well, those, those, offense, those offensive coaches know how, how to coach up the offensive line. Come on. Oh, I know, uh, Gordon, but we're making some jokes. But oh, you understand oh. that Coach Mateos, is, it, those were his, his words. They did it without a coach. Because <laughs> I'm sure, you know, the running backs coach is concentrating on the running backs and probably keeping one eye on the offensive linemen that there's not six of them out there. But, I mean, you know, there's only so many people that you could monitor. You know what I well, mean? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think both A-Rod and Fessy Sataki have both been offensive coordinators before, right? So, I mean, they, they know a thing or two about uh, – uh, about you know all positions. Yeah, Jake, how dare you say no coaches know what they're talking about down there? Yeah, I just 
He was just quoting the coach who's usually down there. Who was complimenting <laughs> his his group on on their adult behavior, being able to you know manage themselves to play a good game. I'm I can't sure. believe how incompetent the offensive line coaching staff is at BYU. Myself. The funny thing about that is that uh, that obviously, as Hans will tell you, the offensive line takes a lot of coordination, uh, but those guys have a lot of experience between them, and they they probably are used to sort of telling each other, you know, uh, giving each other advice and counsel and, you know, keeping it tight. So, anyway, yeah, it was impressive. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to get into the Jazz because the season is opening today. Locke will join us at the top 3 o'clock hour. Do want to give an update uh, on the road home and how much money was raised uh, yesterday because I want to give a shout-out to our listeners. So we'll get to that as well coming up next. I wanted to get that at the very beginning of the show, but somehow we got distracted with uh, television shows that make an impact on society. But, you know, it was It's the holidays, man. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Uh, We're having a good time. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on, man. Here we go. Lillard will try to win it for the Blazers and SLC on a dribble drive push shot. Gobert rips it away from Thompson, puts it back up and in, plus the foul. Rudy. Donovan says, don't bring me a pick, I'll go to work. Ten on the clock, he works at the NBA logo. Donovan crosses over, rises, fires, hits! 3.4 seconds left. Donovan Mitchell, you are something else. 46 for the kid. Don't talk to me, says Donovan. Don't talk to me. Bogdanovich pops to the corner. He's open for three. Got it! Boyan Bogdanovich! Jazz win! And he is being mobbed. Donovan squirts to the lane and finishes at the rim. Donovan Mitchell with 45. Michael Jordan 63. Elgin Baylor 61. Donovan Mitchell 57 are the three highest scoring playoff games in NBA history. Uh, The Jazz open up their season tonight, Gordon. They're at Portland. 8 o'clock tip. 7 o'clock pregame right here on the Zone Sports Network right after the big show. So uh, a long day for yours truly. Uh, but excited about it. Uh, I'm excited the season is getting underway. I think there's so much potential uh, with this particular team and this particular group. And I think uh, the Portland is a really fun way to start out the season. What a great matchup to get things rolling. I'm very excited about tonight's game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. We mentioned it yesterday, Jake. But this is the perfect team to put, go up against if you want to see what the Jazz's defense is going to look like against uh, scores. Uh, on the perimeter, and obviously they, they don't come much better than uh, Dame Dalla and uh, McCollum. So uh, yeah, the Jazz and Nurkic ain't bad either. You know, he's my you favorite know. player in the NBA. Well, you said, why do you love him so much? Because of the story of how they found him and how he started playing basketball. Remind our listeners. Uh, okay, I should Google the story, but but here's the gist of it. Um, his father was a, a cop back in <laughs> Bosnia Herzegovina, and uh, he was jumped by a gang of thugs, like fourteen, uh, beca- and uh, he beat them all up at once. <laughs> That sounds like something out of a movie. I know. I know. He's seven feet and 400 some odd pounds. Right. So an entire group of people, like a dozen people, jumped this guy, and he beat them all up. 
and uh, there was a basketball uh, scout out there, or agent scout, I don't know, who saw uh, the story in the newspaper, like, look at the size of this man, <laughs> and showed up at his house and said, hey, do you have a son? Because if you do, I'd like to teach him how to play basketball. <laughs> and uh, now he's in the NBA. And, and if you Google... All, that story's all legit? Uh, yeah. And if you Google a picture of Yusuf Nurkic's dad, he is a mountain of a man. I always made this joke that if that were my father, uh, you know, usually I don't think that hiring a family member as your agent is a really good idea. But if that were my dad, he would be my agent. Can you imagine him sitting down and negotiating with somebody? Like, you will pay my son all of the money. And then the person on the other side goes, yeah, I'm going to do that. Is that the best you can do? (laughs) Right. Mm, Really? I think you can do a little better. The picture that comes up when you Google his dad? He's sitting in the stands next to, like, a six-year-old kid. And it makes it even that much more phenomenal, the size difference. How would you like to walk out of this room again? Yeah. I, I think you should give, give my son as much as you can give my son. Either that or I will break every bone in your body. I mean... Before you slide that offer across the table, did I ever tell you about the story about when I was jumped by uh, 12 uh, armed uh, gang members and I uh, beat them all up? It was a a real laugh. (laughs) And because they insulted me, do not insult me with a bad offer. Do uh, not. I, I, I love that story. But um, back to the point. He has developed into a, a very nice uh, NBA player. It, it was too bad he was sidelined by that, uh, that leg injury, which was just gruesome because he was, I mean, he was on the fast track to being a potential all-star. Uh, he's just what that team needs in a little toughness and a, a multiple-skilled type big man. And I think he complements uh, Damian Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum quite well. So we get to see right away if the Jazz have addressed their uh, their issues defensively, and uh, obviously they didn't go out and get Patrick Beverly or uh, or who else, Chris Dunn or somebody like that. They uh, are going about it a different way. We'll see if it uh, if there's any difference made with the way the Jazz play defense. And Quinn has been talking about coordinating the defensive effort, and uh, yeah, I'm real eager to see. Uh, because you're going up against the best in the world tonight. You really are. Plus, a couple of former Jazz men on this uh, Portland Trailblazer team. Rodney Hood, of course, who they, they gave, they like Rodney, gave him a nice contract. And uh, Ennis Cantor back with the Blazers, Gordon. Boy, Ennis has really gotten around, hasn't he? Yeah, he's bounced around a little bit. He signed that max extension um, uh, with Oklahoma City, only to be bought out, right? And then ended up in Portland, then Boston, and now back in Portland. And was he with the Knicks for a minute, too, yes. if I'm not mistaken? Yes, you're right. Yeah, right. He was. Is he? Uh, can he go home anymore, or is that still a problem? No, he can't go home. Yeah. And that, that is a really sad story. His, his dad was in jail for a while. He's not now. But just because Ennis... Uh, Sympathized with uh, what's the what's the exiled in America Turkish leader Gulan, I think is his name, and this is kind of a disciple nice. of his, yeah. Uh-huh. And President Erdogan, the president of Turkey, uh, they don't they don't get along. Well, it, it be, is, you know, became a thing with uh, Peja Stoyakovich for a minute too, because he's like in Erdogan's cabinet or something. Pretty amazing that they tried to disappear Ennis in a Romanian airport. That was like two years ago. 
That's right. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. And the NBA had to step in because they, they took his visa, right? I think they did Yeah, and that. put him in a room. And, uh-huh. yeah. and the NBA had to say, hey, Romania, yeah, uh, don't turn him over to, to Turkey. That no, the uh, NBA get, sent, Bring him to us. They sent Yusuf Nurkic's dad in there and they said, oh, have him back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ennis uh, doesn't travel on road trips to Canada. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he has to stay in this country. Well, it's, you know, Jazz fans may still be angry at Ennis because of his comments that he made uh, after he left the Jazz for OKC and all that stuff about, yeah, finally, I'm with a classy organization. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that was essentially what he said. And Jazz fans didn't uh, take a liking to that. Uh, but I think, and this is, we used to laugh. Remember, you'd show up down at the Cheesecake Factory and, and uh, tweet out, hey, are there any women around who want to come? Uh, you know, I mean, it just seems kind of goofy, silly stuff. But uh, he, he probably is a little deeper than, uh, than just that, based on some of the things I've seen him get involved in. I think, um, I mean, if we want to dive into this, I think he's matured as a person. Because when he was here, he seemed very immature. I mean, you mentioned something with the Cheesecake Factory. But remember when he, like, what did he do uh, instead of doing his last press conference before he got traded? He, like, didn't he wink at the media? or Oh, he blew a kiss to the media. And I, you know, I taking shots after he's left. It just, it sounds to me what a, what a person in their early 20s would do like stupid have, have you met a mature professional wrestling fan right yeah they're another fan but as he's gotten older and he's focused more of his attention on this issue with turkey and and being an advocate for that and i, I feel like he's a, a matured and as he's bounced around a little bit he's really he really identified with the with the community in portland i think that's probably part of the reason they brought him back and he was fairly popular in boston as well so you know, maybe he's found his uh, his niche and has grown up a little bit. Still doesn't play much defense. No, but you know what? That, Gordon, I think gets back to uh, something we talked about yesterday. I don't know how much, like, I don't know what kind of athlete Ennis really is. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of lateral quickness there. Well, he can rebound and he can position himself himself on a low block to shoot it. He can, but, but uh, guard the pick and roll, he cannot. Seems to be a bad <laughs> Every time he enters the game, the opposing coach's eyes light up. Right? Well, remember the, the famous Billy Donovan caught on camera moment where he, I think he was talking to Maurice Cheeks, wasn't he? Where he goes, you can read his lips. Can't play canter. Like you can see it in slow motion. Can't play canter. For that reason. Well, um, do you think the Jazz start out with a win on the road tonight? Do you think uh, they're going to, uh, to to be ready for that challenge? Oh, man, I think it's a tough call because I think Portland's pretty good. They're bringing uh, you know, most of their squad back uh, as well. I don't know how much home and road is going to make a difference this year, so I don't know how much that's a factor. But I don't well, know if I'm going to predict the Jazz win because I think it's a tough game. But I, if, I think it'll be a good game. If, uh, if Damian Lillard goes off, do you – do you find it uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell's responsibility to match that, or do you think if 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 Dame Dollar goes off, let's say he he's going, for, he has 15 points in the first quarter, would that change the way Donovan Mitchell plays? On which would side he of feel the ball? like would he would he feel like okay, I've got to I've got to give my team a lift here, and I've got to 
to sort of eclipse what uh, D. Lil's doing over there. See, it's and, funny uh, how how I, I thought you were going a different direction at the beginning. No, part I'm of that, in offense. That, I'm that in that matching opinion. offense with offense. Because shouldn't if if a player does that to you, shouldn't you take that personally and not let him do that to you? Wouldn't it affect <laughs> the way you played on the on the other side of the basketball? In yeah, all honesty, but, if if they if Damian Lillard goes nuts, I don't think the answer is Donovan Mitchell has to match him point for point with this particular Portland team. I think it's limiting everybody else. If Damian Lillard wants to score 35, 40 points. CJ McCollum, you keep him at 16, 17. Because I think the Jazz have enough firepower that they can, I mean, shots, the shots are going to be at a premium, and, and uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed on this Jazz team. So I don't think it's necessarily going to take a dominant performance from Donovan Mitchell as much as it is, well, don't let anybody else go nuts and go get Bogey his and go get, you know, Rudy 17. And, and, you know, maybe you add your 24-25. But I think that's how the Jazz are winning games this year. But maybe my, not my, in the playoffs, but right now. In my experience of watching NBA games through all the years, it seems like that's a bit of human nature, competitor's nature, for a great player on one team to uh, to want to match or uh, or better whatever the other guy is doing. And I, I don't know. I don't know whether that would be helpful for the Jazz or not. Whether they just stay in their in their normal mode, or if Donovan says uh, this is if he treats every game like a playoff game. You know, like it's my responsibility to make sure my team stays in this game and uh, takes it upon himself at at some level. He, he's not a ball hog. He's not going to do that. But you know what I'm saying? I do. But I, I, I want to see Donovan fight the urge to play hero ball. I know he can. And I know at times maybe it's appropriate. But I think this team is really good. And I think that there are other players that could benefit from uh, from Donovan's playmaking ability that have the ability to to really contribute. All right, big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That would be Big O. Uh, stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the lowest price on every tire every day. Big O Tires. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.